Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe, and as usual, with me tonight is Mitch. Me, that guy. <laughs> How are you, Mitch? I'm good, you? I'm good, very well, thank you. Excellent. It's You're a bit been... stuffed, you've cooked me dinner tonight. Yeah, we had lasagna tonight. I had seconds, I shouldn't have. You shouldn't have, but... no. Anyway, it's been just over a month since we last recorded. Oh, we've... so much has happened. Well, we've been kind of busy, I guess. Has it? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. I don't remember. We, we've watched a few things and played a few things, so... Excellent. We jump straight into gaming like we normally Why do. the hell not? So yes. what's Microsoft given us this month, or well, since last time? Well, since last time we recorded, the first free game for Games for Gold this month was Crackdown, yeah. which I know you already had. and I did. Didn't really think that much. I, I had to go twice to start it, and it was before I played any sort of open world sandboxy games, and I just didn't get it. Like, it was just wasn't for me. I tried again a couple of months later, and I still just couldn't get much okay. further. I'm sure I'd be a better gamer now, but I have no real intention of going back, so I didn't bother downloading the freebie, just so I could sort of trade in the game for a dollar or something, but yeah. I just don't. Well, I did, but I haven't actually gone to it yet. Well, people loved it at the time. I don't know if it's going back to a four, five-year-old game is not a good way to go to these sort of things. Like, sometimes you just sort of... Unless you're used to them, unless you've not played them, then maybe going back is fine. Yeah. But if you've played newer games, then going back to something is a little bit older and clunkier maybe it, you just don't get that rewarding experience I'm not sure I really can't yeah, yeah. I, I do remember there was a, quite a lot of positive buzz about it when it did come out it had quite good sales figures but I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that when Halo you bought it yeah Halo something. 3 beta or something, something Halo like 2 that. beta I don't know it was a long but time it, ago but it ended up being a really good game like people yeah. bought it for that beta but they really enjoyed the game you've played Red Dead and yep. you played one of the early GTAs, I think. No? Yeah, I played. Well, I played some of the GTAs that were on the original Xbox, mm. but I've not played any of those. Yeah. So this is a comparable version of that, but swooped up to a, another level because yeah. you could jump across the city essentially, where GTA is very grounded, but it's got that open world mission based. It was thing. more of a shooter, though, wasn't it? Uh, not really. I mean, oh, okay. it's the shooting element, yes. Mm. The thing is, you power up, and the more you power up, the more you can do. So by the end of it, you're literally your jump is getting bigger. So you're not you're not almost flying across the one side of the city to the other with a jump but when you get into a car as well your power up is relevant to your car okay. so if you, you're souped up you get into a normal car it sort of and chunks yeah, up and cool. becomes even better so there are these elements that really sound appealing to me but I as a gamer wasn't good enough or didn't get into it properly so it sounds like the right thing for me but going by that what I really want to play is like Saints Row 3 or 4 yeah. which is a lot more modern and Saints Row 4 definitely sounds like it would be a lot more fun because you are playing Super President Yeah, and it's like well, do I just go straight to that and not bothered with crackdown yeah well that's the thing like i downloaded crackdown and i was having a bit of a, a bit of a complaint that microsoft were throwing us games that no one really wanted anyway but then the second free game that they gave away this month was actually dead rising 2 the rising of the dead and it was actually a game that when it came out i was actually keen to get but never actually jumped because i didn't really find it at the right price what both of us did do though was when case zero came out both of us bought that which is i think it was a 200 microsoft point was it free pre- actually it we got it when it was free yeah but originally it was 200 and i think we got it as one of those deals of the mm. week they gave it away free and that was like the little bridging between dead rising one to dead rising two and i had a bit of fun with that and i enjoyed it I a little enjoyed bit enjoyed it but the thing with free games is that you don't put much value on them so because it was a little game 
that didn't matter that I didn't finish it. I sort of went in on it. It was fun. Had probably two or three goes at it. Got to a point and then started something else. So I never actually went back to try and finish it. Yeah, and I think the problem was as well, I, at the time when I got it, I never bought the full game because Dead Rising 2 Case Zero was enough zombie killing. It's very samey. And I said, I think I said that to you. I was like, yeah. I don't need to buy the game now because yeah, exactly. this is giving me what I want. Yeah. I don't need to buy the actual game. So I thought it was really bad marketing at the time. We may have even talked about it on the cast. I'm not but, sure. But... Yeah, it may have been before we were recording. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I've downloaded Dead Rising 2 and I've actually spent probably two or three sessions of a couple of hours each. On okay. It. So I've put a little bit of time into it. It's broken up into missions per day, and I've done all of the first day. Go to the toilet a lot? Don't you well, save you, you the save toilet? in the toilet. Yeah. And look for unflushed toilets. I save in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but the first time I played it, I didn't realise that I hadn't saved, because in the case zero, you save in the toilet as well, and I didn't think of it. But I'd done like the first little scene Same in the and, toilet yeah <laughs> I'd done the first little scene and then I'd gone through quite a bit and then I actually died and I was like oh well I wonder where it'll pick up from and I realised I hadn't saved so I had to go all the way back to the very start you hadn't saved in the toilet I didn't save in the toilet no <laughs> But, I don't know, it's kind of fun. I like the idea that you can combine weapons to make better weapons to kill your zombies with. You know, you get a baseball bat or you get a box of nails and you can combine them to make a spiked baseball bat that gets you more XP when you kill the zombies. It is very samey, though. Like, I've, as I said, I've played probably about four or five hours in total. And of that, it's all just running around, hordes of zombies jump on you and you, you beat them up. That's why, yeah, Case Zero seemed enough for me. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I don't know if I would buy this if it was, you know, still 20 bucks or whatever for the disc, but Microsoft giving away for free, I was pretty happy with that. Excellent. Yeah, so, yeah, I've put a little bit of time into that. Other than that, I haven't really been playing... Let me guess, you've been creating stuff in WWE 13. Yes, I went back and I've created a few more things in WWE 13, and I've gone back and... Have you actually played it? I have played oh, it. Oh, that's all right. I've played quite a bit of it. And I went back and I tweaked some of my creative characters, and mm. I've now made alternate sort of looks and... A street costume and a ring costume and a backstage costume for all my creative characters, so that's pretty sad. But anyway. But I've also been playing, speaking of wrestling games, mm-hmm. they had a sale last week on Xbox Deal of the Week, mm-hmm. and they had Rumble Roses Double X, which is a it's very a, old game. It's a girl wrestling game. It's a it? Japanese female wrestling game that came out originally in 2005 for PlayStation 2, and then this is like the Xbox slightly high-res version that came out in 2006. And I remember I had the demo of this as one of the first demos that I downloaded when I got my Xbox. And it was always like you could only ever buy it here in Australia on import. And it was like $110 for the disc. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to buy this. And then when I saw it for $13, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to do that. And how does it hold up? Does it play like a seven-year-old game? It plays more like a fighting game than a wrestling game. Mm -hmm. But it's still got some some pretty cool concepts to it. Yeah. It holds up well enough. It's made by Konami, so it's it's good graphically. It flows nicely. It's got the jiggly boobs if you're into that kind of stuff in your gaming. And I am. You'd probably like it. Excellent. And you could do humiliation moves where you know, cause the girl to get more humiliated by the moves. By Humiliate. like, humiliated. <laughs> yes. So, you know, submissions that like spread her legs open and stuff. That's Lovely. kind of weird. I was playing it the other day and my wife's like, well, you probably can't play this with the kids in the room. And I was like, no, I probably could. But anyway, yeah, it's $13 and I've played a little bit of that and I'm enjoying that. Yeah. And you yourself, Mitch, you've actually finished I the game? I finished Max Payne finally. 
I stopped playing for about a week. I just, I don't know. It was sort of weird. Like I said last time, I think I was sort of in baby mode. So it was just like, all right, let's just get through the story. And I kept thinking, I get my wife would go to bed and I said, oh, I think I'm nearly finished. I should finish it in the next block. And no, I'd play it for another couple of hours. And then it's like, oh, there's more story to this thing. Okay. 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 The next day it's like, oh, I should finish in the next session. It should be, no. And it took like three more of these goes before I... Oh, no, this is it. Like I said to her last time, I was like, I think finally this is the last one. I'm at an airport now. The last guy is the last one I've got to get. He's going to get away on a plane. This has to be the last bit. <laughs> and thank God it was. But it was interesting. It was like Man on Fire, the game. And it's okay. Like, there's all this DLC for it, and there's online you can play, and there's sort of challenge mode sort of stuff, but I have no real intention. Actually, the Rockstar sales on at the moment, and all the DLC is like 50% off if you're really interested. Yeah. Like, it's all there, and I just can't be bothered. Yeah, we talked about it briefly last month, but we didn't really go into detail about it. What's the save system like? Do you have to do a whole level before you can save, or is it save spots along the way? Yeah, it saves continuously. Well, like, right. you know, you get segments, and it just sort of saves. It's not like Gears or Batman, where you put your finger to your ear and walk slowly while it yeah. loads the next section, and that's your area. Like, you just come across certain points, and then the little logo will pop yeah. up in the corner, and, oh, we're saving now. And yeah, you can yeah. sort of tell, because it'll there's a lot of cutscenes. Yeah. So in those cutscenes is your next save, essentially. So yeah. you'll do a little fight, and then a cutscene, and then next fight, and those cutscenes essentially your next start. Well, that's good, because I remember when I was playing Bayonetta the thing that I really hated about Bayonetta is you had to get to the end of the level before you could say and some even, of the levels were like 45 minutes long I never long. noticed that like, yeah. I played it and got through it and didn't have a problem I didn't notice that when you whinged about it afterwards I'm like I don't know but maybe I just was more committed to gaming then and just maybe. played for long periods of time not worrying about it yeah. I, I don't know I'm one of those people that really likes to be able to save wherever whenever you need a PC maybe I should get back into PC gaming maybe yeah. the new Xbox One will help you with that I don't know like, I'm slowly leaning towards the Xbox One I'm definitely still not going to buy one at launch but some of the stuff that they've discussed oh, is now starting it to making an Xbox 360 again exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah some of the stuff they're talking about it's making me think you know maybe I I should get one eventually. Oh, I'll get one. I'm assuming eventually. Unless, eventually. I mean, it'll be a, a year or so after, or maybe six months after it comes out. Well, exactly. Neither yeah. of us were huge early adopters of the Xbox, so... No. Yeah. But, I mean, by the time we'll buy one, it will be well established, which is the better console. Yeah. And that will be easier to choose. And it'll probably come down to the fact that I'll want one and then there'll be some super game that I've got to have and I'll play it once and then never touch it again. <laughs> yeah, like Fable no, 3. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I played a lot of Fable 3 when okay. it came out. But you weren't as happy as Fable 2. No, I didn't like the whole politics of it. But you got Fable Legends? Yeah, Fable, Fable, Led, or Fable Origins is coming out, I think it's called, which is going to be a, a 360 version of the original Fable 10-year anniversary or some rubbish like that, like high-resed up. And, could and you see yourself playing it again? I could. If it's high-res, so you would? Yeah, I've, well, I've played Fable 1 probably three or four times, and then when they brought out Fable The Lost Chapters, I played that as well, and that's pretty much Fable 1 with another ending tacked on the end. So, in theory, I've probably played through the original Fable probably about five times. And, yeah, I, I really liked Fable. Like mm. When the original Fable came out, it was probably my favourite game for a long time. And I've played through it as purely a sword person, then I played through it as an archer, and I've played through it as a magic user sort of thing. And I've, yeah, as I said, I've played through it a lot. And I've played Fable 2. I think I've done two or three playthroughs on Fable 2. And then Fable 3, I did my playthrough, and then because it's now co-op, my wife did a playthrough, and I played through with her, with my character as well. So I've played a lot of Fable over the years. <laughs> Yeah, I can probably see myself getting Fable. I don't know about Fable Legends, but Which that's going to be the Xbox online? One. 
Okay. It's yeah. a multiple player. Yeah, well, it's going to be like a four-player fable, whereas... With a fifth player playing a villain, yeah. by the look of it. Which is kind of interesting. I've never been tempted to get Fable the Journey, the Connect game. Well, yeah. Purely for the fact that it's a Connect game. <laughs> Although, that being said, I did actually break out Connect Sports during the month, and me and my kids had a little bit of game of golf on Connect Sports. I'm sure their dexterity would have been awesome at it. <laughs> my two-year-old wasn't that good, because he kept stepping away from where he was meant to be standing, so that didn't quite work well. But my six-year-old got the concept of like swinging the golf club yeah he wasn't very good at it but he got the concept that's cool and yeah i guess it's probably different to playing wii sports because he doesn't have to have a controller in his hand it's all him acting it out but he is the controller exactly he does quite like the interactive sesame street tv game yep we've got the demo of that and he quite likes that but that's again pretty simple it's just for his age yeah exactly (laughs) I, I was very tempted, actually. I was in JB the other day, and they had the Once Upon a Monster, the mm-hmm. actual proper Connect game yep. on cheap. It was in there like 2 for $40, and I thought, well, if there was another game that I wanted to buy, maybe that would be worth it, but there wasn't anything else I really wanted. But The only experience I've had Connect lately is when I'm at your place and we're watching Gathering of the Juggalos videos, and they say <laughs> the word stop in the video, and Connect yes. picks up on the word stop and stops the video. That's that's all I've had to do with Connect. Yeah, I, I think I need months. to uh, rejig where my speakers <laughs> and the microphone is, because that happens quite a lot. And when you've got a two-year-old watching a Thomas movie and one of the trains says he's going to stop at the next station and it just stops, and the kids are like, turn it back on, turn it back on. Seriously. It's, it's a bit upsetting. Yes. Right, yes. yes. But so, other than that, you have been well, playing. Well, like I said, I finished, finally finished Max Payne. It took me a few days to turn it on again to play something else because I look at the pile of unplayed games and I keep buying more games. I, yeah. I've actually bought a few because they sort of, oh, that's cheap, I want that. Blah. So I have picked up Far Cry 3 and Injustice lately. So I was like, oh, which one do I start? And I actually started Injustice this week, which is your Mortal Kombat version of DC fighting game thing. Well, you have got Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe as well, haven't you? And you finished it, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm not a fighting game person. Like, you grew up on Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Yeah. More back early days, we're talking SNES. Arcade days yeah. as well, yeah. So for me, I've never been good at it. I'm a button masher all the way. I love DC superheroes, so I love the animations for it all, and it looks really good when they do their stuff, but I'm not one who's going to go in there and learn all the crazy combinations and blocks and this and that. So I, I love the look of this game. It's awesome. And you get to play all these characters and the storyline's quite funky and I'm reading the digital comic that comes out every week written by Australia's Tom Taylor. Yep. And it's awesome. I, I really enjoyed that side of it. So I was like, I really should play the game because I'm 30 issues into the comic. I really <laughs> should see what it's all about as yep. far as the comics take. So yeah, I don't know how far I'm into the game, but they seem to be really supporting this. Like, okay. every couple of weeks, they're adding more characters to this game to give it longevity. Because I don't know how these... The Street Fighter versus Tekkens, the Tekkens, uh, all these games seem to sort of be big for a couple of weeks and then just disappear. I don't know if fighting games, it's a modern thing, if it still survives in a modern console era. I think the fact that you can go online and fight other people gives it a little bit of legs. Because it was always the big thing in the arcades that you would be on the machine and, you know, someone else would come along and give you a challenge and kick your ass and you'd end up going home upset. Well, for me it did anyway. But yeah, I I think now that you've got the online, it is kind of fun and probably not quite as much with this generation, but fighting games are always fun to have a group of guys sitting around and and play couch versus... I got into the wrestling side of that back in the day. Yeah, well, we mentioned that last month as well. And yeah, I don't get that with fighting games. Yeah, You don't get that fun... To me, it's not fun because I get my ass handed, so it's just not fun at all. Yeah, we're wrestling because you've got that storyline mode, and because it is a wrestling story. 
yeah. they still try and incorporate that into a game somehow. So there is a comeback element if you can do it, and yeah, exactly. You know, you can go for the weapons and do all these sort of things, and yeah, because you know, it's it's all about putting on a show rather yeah. than where a fighting game is. is if you get stuck in that loop, someone, someone throws you in the air and they just keep juggling you. And well, Mortal Kombat was always about the juggles. Yeah, and yeah, so I'm playing it on as easy as possible, and I'm loving the story, and the animation is phenomenal, and the killer moves, I don't know what they're called, special moves when you pull them off. Yeah. They're amazing. Like, there's one where Batman just calls the Batmobile, does a backflip, and it runs, drives under him, drives over you. Aquaman, like, picks you up on his trident, and then a shark comes and eats you. It's just, they're really cool. <laughs> then afterwards, Sissy go, I killed a man with a trident. trident. Yeah, you should let live for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Partway through, I don't know how far it is. Like storyline mode, I don't know how much game is actual story. How many, how much legs this has got? They got Star Labs missions, so I don't know if they're like objective based or you have to do so many hits of this type of this type to progress through. So I haven't actually explored the game. Okay. Like, there's a lot of DLC, and they keep bringing more out, which is great. Which you know, who knows what they're going to do with it. Or if it's just more characters that you can play with, because I noticed Zatanna came out last week, and Lobo came out a couple of months ago, and they're all like 400 points, which isn't a lot, but now that Microsoft points are going over to real actual dollars, you might, I might question things a little bit more. Yeah, I'm looking at something and going, well, that's $5 rather than 400 points. It does kind of look a bit different. I don't know. Like, I've played the demo of it and I quite liked it. I'm probably keen to maybe just jump in and have a bit of a bash with it and see yeah. what it is. Yeah. I, I think for me, though, I don't have that background of the comics and I don't know as much about like some of the secondary characters. Well, that's the thing. I love Shazam. I love Superman. Looking in my room that we're in right now. But I like Shazam and DC versus Mortal Kombat had Shazam in it. And that's all yeah. I wanted to do. I just want to get in there, play him, do the finishing move with him where he grabs a guy and calls down the lightning. And it's like, I'm happy. I've got my money's worth right now. I've done it. So yeah. Shazam's in this one too, so I'm happy. Okay. And which version of Green Lantern is it? Hal Jordan? Yeah. The good one. Yeah, well, <laughs> the yeah. yeah, the Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, you did mention that you had a bit of a lull from gaming. I did. What you forgot to mention, though, is we did actually go back and play a bit of Gears oh, of War 1. Well, maybe that was part of the lull. It's like I was craving that fondness. Yeah. I went home to that comfy pair of jeans or a doona or something. And you just sort of like, yeah, I sort of texted you. We were catching up one day and I sort of like, I'm kind of in the mood for gaming, but old. And it was like Borderlands or Gears with the two options. Yeah. There were no other options. Exactly. We wanted to play a shooter. So we thought we'd go back to one of the games that got us into 360 shooter gaming. Mm. And we went through and we played a bit of co-op campaign of gears and it was just nice yeah it, it just felt comfortable felt and right everything worked the way it should and it's quite weird that i remember the first time we played gears together and we had so much trouble with the berserker and we got to that and level in one day like in one session we got through, yeah, it, through no the problem. berserker and into the next bit and, and you're like, like oh, oh i'm gonna run it through we're gonna break down this door okay it'll find me wait all right i ran out got the hammer of dawn bang destroyed it no none of us died once i don't think, I don't think so and I think oh no we died we did die I think twice. we died once yeah. at the start we could get into yeah. the room that's right we kept, we did actually die a lot <laughs> but once we got into the room we were fine and then I remembered that if you had grenades you could just drop a grenade and blow the door open without having to wait for the berserker to run through it and break it so yeah I think that's and the hammer of dawn won boof in like exactly. the first time attempt to say like, oh yeah like, that was fun but yeah it was good to go back to it it still holds up like some games you think oh that's a six year old five year old game yeah well that's like playing Rumble Roses you look at it and you think to yourself this feels like a 2006 game. Whereas Gears, the writing of it, the story is just so good. And there's those set pieces, like 
certain scenes that once we started, we were like, oh, yeah, that's this Oh, bit. that's this bit. Yeah, exactly. And you feel good about it. But that being said, that was a couple of weeks ago and we haven't gone back to it. But no. we probably should. We will. Yeah. But we did have a little bit of a look of some other new games. It's the middle of the winter of arcade here in Australia, but summer of arcade in America. And we've checked out the demos of most of them. Well, you have. Well, I played one. You I played, played Brothers. You played Brothers in my house. And then when you were at PAX the other oh, week, yeah. you, you played a bit of Flashback. Mm-hmm. I got the demo of Brothers originally, Brothers The Tale of Two Sons, because I'd seen some footage of it and it was two characters on screen and I thought, great, there's a co-op game my wife and I can play, only to find out that it's not actually a co-op game, it's a one-player game it where... It's a co-op game. Well, it's co-op for yourself. It's good for people with split personalities, I think. <laughs> but you control one brother with one thumbstick and the other brother with the other thumbstick, so it does get a little bit confusing trying to move around the screen and... You get used to it. Like, I jumped in and played the demo. Yeah. Yours, and you do get confused sometimes when the brothers cross sides. Like, you keep one on the left, one on the right, and you sort of get an idea. But something happens, and then all of a sudden they end up on the other side of the screen, and then you takes a while to reorient. But I'm sure a couple of hours into the game, you wouldn't even notice. You'd be totally yeah. on top of it. I liked it. Graphically, it's great. It reminded me a lot of Fable, actually, the fantasy sort of look about it. It's the most expensive of the Summer of Arcade this I year, though. they're always the same prices, mate. Well... Normally there's one game that's like 1200 and the rest are 800 well they were but before they changed the pricing. Mm. But Brothers is 1495 and all the other ones are 995. Okay. See points made a lot easier looking at that game. I was thinking it's something my wife could get into. Yeah. I I probably wouldn't at a stretch but it's like maybe but now when you say 1495 I was like oh, I don't know. Well considering that it's 1495 and I paid Fourteen ninety five for W or actually nineteen ninety five for WWE and how much difference there is in the fact that this is probably a four four or five hour game. Yeah. Whereas WWE I've I've spent four or five but, hours in one hit. Play. I mean I've heard it's a very rewarding game at the end and it's very emotional. Yeah. So the experience, I mean, if it's five hours and good and you get a payoff at the end, then by all means it's worth it. I, I don't want a 12-hour game just because they need to justify exactly. the price. If it takes five hours to tell a story and it's good, that's fine. I mean, yeah, the movie's in 90 minutes of cool as ice and I'm happy I'm done. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need an extra half hour to make the movie longer because that's what movies should be nowadays. Yeah, well, that was the big argument when Limbo came out a few years back, that it was you know, a short game, but it was a 1,200-point game, and everyone was, was there, and then at that stage, like, you know, do they justify the length of the game for the amount of money you're costing, sort of thing? Well, that means I should have paid hundreds of dollars for Borderlands, because exactly. I was in that forever. So. Yeah. And if you played Madden or any of those games, yeah, well, exactly, that's all yeah. you play for exactly. a year until the next yeah. one comes out. But, no, I don't know. I, I think I probably would buy Brothers if it was on sale, but again, fourteen ninety five, it's it's not for me. And then the second game of the Summer of Arcade this year was Charlie Murder. And I played a little bit of the demo of that this afternoon just to have a bit of a look at it. Like, you haven't actually seen it. I just looked at the stills and I'm like, this isn't for me. The art style, I kind of like. Castle Crashes-y sort of look, is it? No? It's kind of a emo-y side-scrolling beat-em-up. Oh, my favourite genre. Exactly. Emo-y sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's made by the same people that did that dishwasher Legend of the Samurai or whatever that mm. was a few years back. But playing the demo, I was I was over it within about half an hour. And I was like, no, it's not for me. You give demos a really good shot. I do. You do. I've got to get my money's worth out of these free demos. <laughs> the only demo I've sort of given that sort of attitude to was Mirror's Edge. But that was way back when I first got the game. You played a lot of the Transformers demo before you bought the actual game. That's true. Because it? it was loud enough for the subwoofer run. It was just yeah. crazy. And F1 races. The race little, stars. Race stars, yeah. The 
It's a, yeah, sort of that a cartoony was Formula One, very Mario Kart. Exactly. Very, it's exactly Mario Kart, what am I saying? Yeah. That's sort of, I've given that a bit of a bell as far as demos go, but yeah. nothing lasts more than, not, not a half hour. No, no, Charlie Murder I, I wouldn't recommend unless you really like that sort of side-scrolling beat-em-up. There are better versions of it out there. If I was going to spend the money, I'm, I'd probably jump and buy the Scott Pilgrim game that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Or I could just sit home and finish Final Fight because I've got that sitting there and I haven't finished it. So, yeah, not for me. The one that came out last week of the Summer of Arcade was the Flashback reboot. Yes. And I played a bit of that this afternoon and I realised that I suck at Flashback. Well, I love Flashback on the Sega Mega Drive. Yeah. Because it was the graphical style was so innovative at the time. It looked like straight out of the Dire Straits film clip, you know. It was yeah. amazing. I had fond memories of it because it felt so mature for gaming. It's like, oh my God, what you can do with games. It's very basic now, I understand. But at the time, it was like, wow, this isn't this isn't Mario. This is something more. Yeah. No, it's... it's well, see, uh, when I was a kid, I was more of a Nintendo person. So the only time I ever played Flashback was when I was at someone else's house that had the Master System or the Master Mega Drive it was on. Yeah, so I only ever played it when I was at friends' houses. So it doesn't have that real nostalgia factor for me. It's, it's quite a slow game as well. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know how it actually worked. I don't know if it's computer graphics or it was more pre-rendered animation. And if you miss the tr- triggers at the right spot, it just didn't play right. It was a very slow game when you died. It would reload. I do remember it being a slow game. So and that's, that's really what I remember about it as well. It's like missing shooting that floating orb thing and getting shot and... Having to get back up. So I do remember playing a lot of it. I don't know if I, I don't think I even got close to finishing, but the thing that I wasn't used to in gaming back then as well, because I came from like the Atari era, I missed the NES era and the Master System era. And it's like, wow, there's different worlds. Like where I'm used to games that just sort of were the same thing, just the color might be a bit different. Yeah, whereas Flashback very much was the. You went from a jungle to a planet with all buildings and and back, you know, so it was different worlds with different, essentially same gameplay, but it felt very different. There was transitions like, yeah. doing different things and storyline there was narrative I suppose that's what you didn't get it was like yeah. a movie now I played the demo at PAX and the graphics are great obviously it's it's new the gameplay is essentially exactly the yeah, same exactly but I played it for a good 25 20 minutes so you I did was, get oh, maybe I did well it was a pack and I didn't know what else to do yeah. and, I, and I really wanted to get to the next level yeah to see more of the game and I couldn't figure it out so oh, okay. it took, took me 10 minutes trying to actually figure out what I was doing and I, and I didn't yeah it's sort of like it was interesting but I, I oh it's not like I came back to you and raved about it and yeah. said oh I can't wait for flashback it was awesome where you played Shadow Complex yeah. years ago and you really got into that and I looked at that and it looked more interesting than this flashback does well playing flashback today it instantly reminded me that maybe I should just go back and play some more Shadow Complex and I, I read Bajo's Twitter this week from Good Game and yep. he said something, he goes, oh, fuck this flashback. Oh, I don't know if he said fuck, but this flashback, that bloody shooting orb, I'm terrible at shooting it, that's it, game over. I'm yeah, not yeah. playing it again. So it sounded like it could be not forgiving in its well, mechanics. I'm just sure. in the demo that I was playing today, I was playing it on the easiest level, and I realised that I had to shoot the orb, so that was fine. But then it took me a little while to work out where but I was meant to be going. left trigger and right trigger, so you're moving that with the left, but your tr- one, uh, your trigger, you, your, um, your left thumbstick is controlling where you point your gun. Right, like, do you right thumbstick, I think it was. Yeah, yeah one, so, one thumbstick moves you and the other one controls your aiming. 
Yeah, so it, was, it, it wasn't intuitive. I'm yeah. sure you get used to it. Well, it, it's exactly intuitive. the same as Shadow Complex. Oh, okay. The same concept, exactly. And really, I made me just want to play Shadow Complex. That being said, though, it's, again, it's 800 points, so it was 800 points, so it's 995. It's something that, again, if it was on sale, I probably would buy it. Yeah. But, just nostalgic, not yeah. enough for me yet. It, a bit of a shame, though, because I was very keen on the fourth title of the summer of our cage which was meant to be due out today which is the teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows yeah but i tried to download the demo today and it wasn't available so well played microsoft (laughs) well played played. but i went on youtube and i looked at some footage of it today and and that actually so what is it what sort of game is it it's a third person action adventure beat em up third person third person so you've got you're behind one your turtle running around and you're behind them even in the single player mode you've actually got all four of your turtles on the screen with you and your d-pad controls which turtle you are so if you want to change to a different turtle you say you press up to change to donatello or change you know sideways to go to michelangelo sort of thing and you can do extra combos by swapping characters in between when you're beating people up wow okay there's a bit of stealth elements to it as well like some of the footage i was watching today on youtube they had leonardo was creeping up behind someone and doing a stealth takedown which kind of look cool and it's based on the newer nickelodeon turtles cartoon okay but the graphic style and the sort of just the feel of it goes back to the original comics and i think even on the the load up screen they've got a pose that's the cover of the very first issue of the comic and they've got the turtle power song from the first turtles oh, awesome. so I'm just, sold already yeah, just, just that. hearing that so it's a shame that I couldn't download the demo today because I think that would be something I would actually buy. Now that's it for the Summer of Arcade as far as what they're releasing. But isn't there one more game if you bought all of them or something well, stupid? If you buy two or more of them, you get extra skins for a game that came out earlier in the oh, year. So, so it's it, yeah, it's not like previous years where if you buy three of these games, we give you half your money back or anything like that. It was just buy these games and get an extra costume for a game you might not actually want to play, which was a bit of a shame. So is it Dark Horizons at the game? Mm. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But yeah, compared to other years of the Summer of Arcade, I know last year was just the shits. There was like nothing good in last year's Summer of Arcade. Year before, I think I bought one out of the four, five. But strangely, there's no Connect title in this year's Summer of Arcade. Not strange at all. (laughs) Well, maybe because people aren't buying them because Wrecketeer was terrible last year and no one wanted it. Mm. but anyway that was yeah that's a, something i probably will buy i don't think i'll buy it cold i think i will get the demo when it's available and give it a bit of a go but i, I can see myself playing that well, it sounds nostalgic enough if it's got partners in crimes turtle power yeah it they actually asked they had one of the developers on the youtube clip i was watching and they were asking him if rocksteady and bebop were in it but he said they weren't so maybe that's a bit of a strike against <laughs> DLC next year. yeah but yes that's gaming Yeah, we've had a few things that have been happening in the world of television that I've been quite excited about. Breaking Bad is finally back for the last few episodes of this final season, where they're tying everything together. We're working our way through to it. Hopefully we'll catch up in time to see the last episode with everyone else. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping, because I've got to watch my Twitter feeds on a Monday, because people talk and facebook yep. talk so it's just like oh stop it and everyone's going oh my god breaking bad and as soon as i, I stop yeah because you're what season three you've just finished yeah uh, about three or four episodes in season four. four yeah so we're now halfway through season five yeah 
and it really is ramping up. The latest episode that was on this week's episode three of or episode nine or whatever they're calling it. It's strange. There's just some people are saying it's season six, episode three, and other people are saying it's, it's five like ten, I think five ten or something. Yeah, but yeah, there's some really good stuff happening. Okay, so yes, catch up, then you can watch it, and then we can talk about it. All right, we'll have a special Breaking Bad episode. We'll yes. get you all in. And Brian Cranston's just awesome. Lex Luthor is he? No. No. But people are it, talking about it. The whole bat, bat, Ben Affleck rumour last week and everything. Is it rumour or is it true? Oh, no, no. So that's true. But there's been a lot of talk about Alex Luthor. And everyone's saying, Brian Cranston. It's like, well, just because he's bald doesn't make yeah. him Lex Luthor. But no question, he could do it. Exactly. Like, he would be awesome at it. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, maybe we should just back up there for a second for people that don't know that yeah, it, there was a bit of a, a furor of the a internet. splitting of the internet. That Ben Affleck has been named to play playing Batman. In Man of Steel 2 or Superman Batman or whatever yeah. you're going to call the next film. Like, I don't know. I, I quite like Ben Affleck. I like him. And that will probably come up again in a minute when we talk movies. So when, when I read it, I was like, yeah, I can see that. When I first read it, I saw, was on Twitter, I think. It's like, who's having a, who's having a laugh? Yeah. You're having a laugh. And then I saw it somewhere else, and then I saw it somewhere else, and they weren't connected. It wasn't like people in on a joke or anything. No. And then I went investigating, it's like, no, that's, that's legit. And, I mean, oh, the internet went crazy. People hating it. Still, it's a week on, and people are still going nuts. But I honestly don't care. I actually think he's got the chops for it. And, I mean, everyone picks on him for dead. And I was like, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, he, he's moved on since then. He's become an a, Academy Award winning director since then. The guy can act. He's played Superman since. Well, he plays George Reeves in Hollywoodland. So yeah. he's already got that done. He knows George Clooney really, really well. So... And George Clooney was the best Batman. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to get tips <laughs> from him. I just think one story I heard was when they were, got the funding for Goodwill Hunting. They had no money. They had a script. They want to get this movie made. They're sitting down in front of like Weinstein or one of these big producer guys. Yeah. And they're literally sleeping on a friend's couch with nothing. And the guy looks at them and offered them like $2 million to make this movie. Okay. With nothing behind them, no clout whatsoever. Ben Netflix looked the guy in the face and said, is that all you can give us? Oh, okay. And the, ended up with you know, triple the budget or something stupid. And that's Matt, Matt Damon said this. Yeah. story and he goes he's, he's a poker player he's yeah. got the best poker face you know he can demand this sort of shit and this is a 20 something year old doing this back then he's a much more mature guy now he if anyone can play a Bruce Wayne I think it's him yeah. particularly with the maturity he's got now well I think that's what the problem with Batman is if you can do a good Bruce Wayne you're probably a good you're halfway Batman. there yeah. I mean you're wearing a fucking cape and a cowl that anyone can look good in it as long as you direct that fine you don't have to do much unless you want to put on a fucking stupid voice Where's the trigger? Where's the bomb? <laughs> yeah. But Christian Bale is a good Bruce Wayne. I think that's what I think helped. he's okay. Like, I didn't think Val Kilmer he's was no a good Adam Bruce Wayne. West. No. There's no Adam West. And I don't think anyone will stand up to Adam West as no. far as Batman goes. Like, for our generation of people, Adam West is Batman. Well, definitely mine. But then there are people younger than us that probably just think, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman and no one can do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Michael Keaton was a weird choice at the time. Imagine if we had the internet then when they cast Beetlejuice as Batman. Exactly. Because it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, yeah. you ever, I remember back in the day, like at that time, there was fantasy casting for all these superhero movies that didn't get made because, you know, Batman was a hit. So they yeah. thought about it. You know, you've got to punish a movie with Dolph Lundgren. And they, it was Arnie or Lundgren were the only options when it was like, oh, who would you cast in this role? Because they were bodybuilders who were actors. Yeah. Or, you know, big-bodied. And, you know, Michael Keaton as Batman. I was like, what the... But in the end, it's who plays Bruce Wayne. And he played quite an interesting Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He was detached. Yeah. You know, whenever he was always not quite there. He was quite good and effective. So, he's a good Bruce Wayne, but he was not an obvious choice for a Batman. No. I mean, doesn't have the chin for a start. Doesn't have yeah. the physique. There were so many elements there, but he was fine. I mean, 
I, I can't imagine him not being in that movie. Yeah, I, he did a very good job of Batman. I, I haven't really gone back and watched those Batmans for a long time. I have not seen the second one ever. Like, I saw it first at the cinemas, and they said I've never gone back. And I've, got, I've heard people swear that that's the best Batman film until the Nolans. Yeah. That Batman Returns is actually the best one of the lot. And I'm like, I don't remember it being very good. See, I really Maybe love I Batman and Robin. Really? Yeah. You really do? You I, no, I really do. I think it's a good film. And it just... <laughs> Yeah, I, as corny as it is, I like Mr. Freeze, Dr. Freeze, whatever his name is, <laughs> Star Schwarzenegger. I really like Alicia Silverstone, so, you know, she was good as Batgirl. I like Poison Ivy. You like G. Svensson as Bane. I did, he was a good Bane. <laughs> like, well, I, I'm the one that likes Batman and Robin. I, I actually went and saw it the first session that it opened. I saw a 10 o'clock session at Crown Cinemas back in, like, 1990, whatever, when it came out, and there was me and two other people in the cinema, and... I actually sat there and went, I'm proud of the fact that I'm going to see this Batman on opening day first session. But I, I like it, and I've watched it a few times since. And the scariest thing, up until the Nolan films, that was the biggest grossing Batman film. Because it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Anyway. So enough of that. Back to television. Back to television. So yes, Breaking Bad's really good. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying that. And we're talking about high quality, great drama of Breaking Bad. Yes. And again, on the bottom of the barrel, you've now got me hooked on <laughs> hardcore porn. You were P-A-W-N, talking- yeah. P-A-W-N, yeah. yes. Because it could go either way. <laughs> well, it could <laughs> <With> be. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the other day I was sitting at home and I was looking for something to watch and my wife was watching a, a movie on the big TV and I was sitting in, in my room mucking around with the iPad. Saving in the toilet. Yes. <laughs> and I've now got the Foxtel Go app installed on my on my iPad. Is that where you watch Foxtel on a treadmill? Oh, that's the OK Go <laughs> That's app. the OK Go app. No. The Foxtel Go app pretty much gives you most of the Foxtel channels you mostly. can watch. <laughs> mostly, yeah. You can watch most of the channels live on your iPad. Mm-hmm. And you can watch a good chunk of stuff on demand on your iPad. And it streams HD. It's, you know, there is quite a lot of variety. And I was bored looking for something to watch. And I noticed the A&E channel had the latest season of Hardcore Porn. <laughs> and I thought, well, Mitch talks about this all the time. Maybe I should give it a go. And I actually um... sat and watched three episodes back to back. And as soon as I finished watching that third episode, I was like, that's it. I'm putting it on the planner and I'm watching it every week when it's on now. So thank you for that. You've got me hooked on trash. the stupidest trash television. <laughs> And I was watching an episode last night with my wife and she was like, you know, these people are meant to be running a business, but yet they are so rude to every customer that comes in that shop wanting to sell something to them. They don't need that one customer, I no. guess, because most of the people who are pawning things with them, they need to pawn it because they're in the America's exactly. poorest Exactly. They're in Detroit, city. the poorest city in, in all of America that's got like 23% unemployment or something like that. The city that just filed for bankruptcy. And... The lowest of the low are coming in to try and you know, sell their Some stuff. Of the stuff they buy. There's people coming in who are in a pawn shop. Now, if you're in a pawn shop, you're not looking for boutique gear. But this woman came in and she was looking at a $4,000 gold necklace. Yeah. And I'm like, why do you need a $4,000 exactly. gold necklace for a start? Probably because if you went to a jeweler's shop, it would be an $8,000 yeah, gold necklace. Maybe, but I don't think they'd be selling things cheap. No. They buy things cheap. They do. And I think they have a lot of, like, selling not actually from the shop as well. They run a lot of stuff through their eBay site. Because they buy a lot of stuff that you would not expect to see in a pawn shop. Like a 1947 fire truck or something? Yeah, some stupid stuff. And antiques and just, you know, old shit. Now, have you you checked out any porn stars? See, I'd previously a a little bit of porn stars, but... Okay, so how do they they rate 
Porn Stars, I think, is a better program, mm. but hardcore porn's like a train wreck. You, yes. you just cannot <laughs> stop watching it. And the fact that it's a guy, and he's probably, what, in his 60s? Yeah. And his two adult children that pretty much run this shop. And they, they're they all so rude to each other, like mm. the brother and sister. They're rude to everyone. It's not exclusive. True, yes. The, but the brother and sister are, like, swearing at each other and calling each other names and, you know, having a go. Well, there's no one really likable. The security guards are kind of likable. <laughs> the walls. <laughs> but, yes, it's... It's yeah. captivating. It, and it's, it is train wreck You know how we, we, I've mentioned in the past about why do they show in the ad coming up? I was like, just let me see it. I don't want to. I don't want you to ruin it. But the ads in this work really well because I was like, someone's pulling out a gun after the break. I got to keep watching. Exactly. Not that I'm going to turn off anyway. It's captivating viewing. But yes, it is definitely my go-to trash TV. There's some other stuff on telly like live local Australian-made TV, like a footy show or the Weapon interview from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it's like. I'll read all about tomorrow in the paper. I've got to watch hardcore porn. <laughs> it's terrible yeah. that I, I'm doing this. But I'm pre- I'm not. I'm not ashamed. No, I embrace it. And, and now you've got me hooked on. <laughs> One of us. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, that, Mitch, have you been watching anything TV-wise? I can't think I am. I, I, I try to, when we wrote the running list down, I think, I don't know what else have I been watching? I couldn't tell you. Catching up on Venture Brothers. I mean, I'm a few seasons behind on that, so I'm sort of like watching an episode before I go to bed at night just to sort of catch through that. And I didn't realise they stopped bleeping the swearing in that show okay. and there's penises in it now. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was very, very confronting <laughs> one episode. With it. And then he had a dream sequence where a penis got a face and was talking at him for a while. I was like... This is not what it was in first season. But yeah, I didn't even realise it was still going. It's a clever show. Well, I don't... No, it's some just come out recently. Oh, okay. But there's been a big gap between. Yeah. But, oh, um, okay. It is such a funny show. Yeah, because I've got, I've got the first season on DVD mm. and I really like a couple of those episodes. It's so so I'd go back clever. and watch again. Um, yeah, so yeah. very, very funny. So that's about it as far as TV. But I am excited because yesterday the season two of A Touch of Cloth just start, just aired. Now, did you see, see season one? It's a two-part. No, I, I didn't get around to watching it. I think you gave me a copy of it, but yeah. I haven't actually watched it's it. It's Charlie Brooker, who we've talked about in the past. It's a piss take on those... It's like the naked gun or flying high or airplane in America version of Midsummer Murders or your typical British detective show. Is it period? Is it like... No, 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 sit now. Oh, okay. Because I know there's like heartbeat and stuff like that where they're like 1960s Merseyside cops and stuff. No, it's not that, but it's, yeah, it's just your typical The Bell or any of those shows. Oh, okay. But you've got Cloth, which is played by Daryl Hannah. English actor, you've seen him and stuff. He was in The Mummy. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, it was Brendan Fraser. (laughs) Yeah, he plays a cop on the edge who just lost his wife and then he gets a new partner and it's just absurd. Like typical British farce, but that flying high sort of sense of humour all done straight as, you know, it's not tongue in cheek. It's acted straight, but the jokes are ridiculously over the top. Okay. But done, done very well, so... And written and by Charlie Brooker? Written by Charlie Brooker. And obviously Touching Cloth, which I didn't know at the time, is when you nearly shoot yourself. <laughs> so that's the only expression I know of Touching Cloth. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what that means. So a touch of cloth. Like a touch of frost is, is, yeah, is a touch taking of, a piss yeah. out of those shows. John Hanna is the actor. That, okay, not Daryl Hanna. Not Daryl. I was close. You're not far off. What's he from? He's Scottish, isn't he, John Hanna? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Not I Welsh, think I, I like think your family, well, no, countrymen. I think I've seen him in something, but I can't remember what it is. Pretty sure it's The Mummy. 
But yes, he's Anne Oldman as his partner. So it's like Anne Oldman. <laughs> and they were just playing with the names on that. So. so not Gary Oldman. No, Anne Oldman. No, because she corrects them all the time. <laughs> Oldman. Anne Oldman, over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should give that a go. Because I really like Charlie Brooker. I think he's just got a wonderful mind for television. I think it's because we're the same age. Yeah. He just seems to have our sense of humour. The mummy. There you go. For when he's in a funeral. So Mitch is just looking at his IMDb. Joys of the internet here. Yes. Now I'm going to go save in the toilet. Yes. That's probably it for TV. We'll jump into movies. Yes. That's something I have done. Yeah. And guess where? At the Asta? At the Asta, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually been... Three times since we've talked. Well, I know there was definitely one that you saw because you rang me to see if I wanted to go, but my kids were sick that weekend, so I couldn't go with you. It's a perfect time to go. Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, you, you went might and saw... not have got sick afterwards. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe I should have got out of the house. But no, you went and saw North by Northwest. Yeah, it's a little known film by some up-and-coming director named Alfred Hitchcock, which I, I've never seen it before. Nothing to like... do with Kim Kardashian's baby? No, no. Thankfully. Mm, I think it was named after her. Uh, obviously, iconic scenes with that crop duster flying over the top of... <laughs> <laughs> crop duster was a plane, <laughs> goddammit. Yes. Not when you're walking through a shopping centre farting at people. <laughs> you mentioned a touch of cloth and then you talk about crop dusting. It's just the ultimate... The brain just works that way. But no, that, that scene in the cornfield is yes, iconic. Kerry Grant being chased down by the plane and the fight on Mount Rushmore. All these things I've seen, but I've never actually seen the film. Now, no, I like to think I am a cinephile and a film buff, but I went and saw the costume exhibit that was at the Federation Square at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. And there were so many costumes I knew and so many films I knew, but I'm actually like, I haven't actually seen that. Okay. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. So there's a lot of films I haven't seen, I realised. North by Northwest is one that I have now. Hmm. And seeing it at the Astor on the big screen is an awesome way to go. Because I, I hadn't seen Rear Window, or if I had, I'd forgotten. But I've seen the Simpsons episode. Same thing. Yeah. You don't need to. <laughs> but yeah, seeing that at the Astor for the first time was awesome because it's a big... It's a cinema thing. Okay. And seeing North by Northwest. And it looked amazing too. It was a 4K projection, which is you know, pretty schmick. Yeah. And I thought, oh, the special effects hold up pretty good because I saw Superman, you know, not long ago. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah. And there was a newspaper article in the movie and it had something about Richard Nixon. I was like, oh, yeah, it must be around 60-something because, you know, I thought, oh, he's president. He must be then. Well, might be around 69, 67 or something like that. No, it was 59. Okay. It's that old and it looked amazing. So, I mean, this is Hitchcock, who was the biggest director at the time. Cary Grant was one of the biggest actors. We'd had the money. This is the equivalent of Michael Bay or Spielberg. Yeah. As far as... Okay. Quality of the people they've got. I'm not saying Michael Bay's quality, but throwing money and the talent at a project. Yeah. And this special effects hold up as good as some of the Superman effects. Okay. And we're talking 20 years down the track. Yeah. So it, I, I was quite amazed. And it was a pretty fast-paced film for a Vatira. Yeah, you said afterwards to me that it was and more it was racy. naughty. Yeah. Very naughty. The, literally, the last scene has them sort of very James Bond sort of scene where they're sort of having a kiss that's all over. And it's like, aha, a kiss. And then a train goes into a tunnel. It's like... Okay, subtle. <laughs> and just some of the comments earlier on, it was all very sexual without sort of just insinuating people have sex or extramarital sex and this and that. It's like, this is not what I expected of its era. Yeah, I, I know nothing about the movie other than that cornfield Well, scene. neither did I. It's yeah. good, really good, but it's okay. very Hitchcockian. You can sort of 
feel that's got this person out of his depth, like the man who knew too much. Or, yeah, so sort of in that same sort of vibe that it's not... You're not following a secret agent. You're, not, you're following an everyman in a lot of ways in a situation out of his control. Okay. But what I realised is you're watching this going, everyone's stolen from Hitchcock. Yeah. Literally everyone. Okay. All modern directors, you look back and go, yeah, that's... Uh, they've stolen. Which takes me to my next film that I saw, which was Jewel. Which is a biopic on my favourite poet and singer song. No, Snow <laughs> <Snow> um, Truth. <laughs> Jewel, the. Well, it was actually a TV movie that Steven Spielberg directed back in 1973, I think it was. Okay. And it's about Dennis Weaver. Well, it's not about Dennis Weaver. Den- Dennis Weaver's the actor. He, he's, he is a, a salesman on a long journey out of LA. I don't know where he's going, but it's a, a long drive. He he sets that tone of the movie up early, and he's going to visit a client because he stops off at a point and rings his wife on a payphone, which is just so funny that you couldn't make some of these films now, some of the aspects of it. Yeah. He's, he's ringing her, talking about, you'll hopefully be back later that day, you know, but depends on what time it takes to get there and everything. So he's, he's driving along, and then all of a sudden he comes behind this truck. Now, this truck's got a personality to it. It's dirty. It's, I don't know, Spielberg, even back then, knew what he was doing. Yeah, you just got this truck, and it's rusted, and it's blowing smoke, and it just—it has a menace about it. But he's sort of behind it; it's a nuisance more than anything. And it's blowing smoke in him, and he's like, "Oh God damn it!" And he ends up overtaking, going past it. Yeah, it's like, "Oh yeah, whatever." And you're just seeing it from this point of view of this dude in the car, and he's just listening to the radio and driving along. And then all of a sudden, and the truck just overtakes and goes past him. He's like, "What? What the hell?" He's a bit jolted by it and everything. Yeah. And then for the rest of the movie, it's this cat and mouse between him and this truck that essentially tries to kill him. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell anymore because, like, out of all the stuff, you know, it is an awesome film. Like, this was a made-for-TV movie that Spielberg did that got a cinema release in Europe and Australia okay. because it was so good. Yeah. So the tension that builds up and the pacing and everything about this movie is fantastic. You got this truck trying to kill him, this cat and mouse game, and you you have no idea why. I've got a feeling I saw this when I was a kid. It set deserty sort yeah. of mountains and stuff, isn't mm-hmm. it? With like windy roads yes. up in the hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I have seen it, but I haven't seen it for a very long time. I mean, you can tell it's a first film or an early film yeah and it's a very 1970s film in a lot of ways it's Dennis Weaver have a mustache he does it must be 70s yes does he he does when he's in that movie <laughs> I didn't know who Dennis Weaver was and then I had to check and he's in a TV series in the 70s where he was a country cop in New York where he'd get around his cowboy hat and ride a horse and oh okay He's in gun smoke and shit like that. He's sort of like been around, but he was quite insipid in this. Like he's meant to be. He's playing an average, you know, yeah. pussy whipped salesman. Okay. And on his IMDb, it's like the second thing that comes up, isn't it? Yeah. McLeod. That was a character oh, okay. on that show. But was he Gentleman? Well, Gentleman was a. Yeah, he played the bear. Yeah. <laughs> He was the main guy in General Ben as well. There you go. Oh, Clint Howard. Cute actor, so ugly they had to cover him in honey so the bear would play with him. But anyway. Yes. And I was told I look like Clint Howard. No, oh, that's great, isn't it? No. Yes. He only gets acting gigs with his brother now. Yeah. If it's so, a Ron Howard no. film, guarantee Clint Howard will be in it. Yes. Anyway, your third movie at the Aston? Was Mean Streets. And again, like a, all these classic films I just haven't seen. I don't know if it's his first film. I think it might be Martin Scorsese's first film with Harvey Keitel in the leading role and Bobby De Niro. Like, you can see the, the core of Robert De Niro in this. Okay. But, you know, it, it's a very... I suppose... I could see why it would be a breakout role sort of for him. You yeah. remember him after this movie. Okay. I've, again, this is something I've never seen. I, I knew nothing about it. I knew it was a Scorsese film, but that's it. I didn't know anything about it. I, and I assumed it was a gangster film of some sort or whatever. But it, it's very raw. It's great in its way. It, it's New York in 1972. 
It's almost documentary feel. Like it's it's raw filmmaking. Okay. It's not polished. It's a sort of a lot of quite jarring cuts and a lot of them are sort of like you get from one scene to another and the sound just jumps at you. Things that obviously he gets better at. But acting wise, I mean, a young Harvey. And you sort of wonder what happened. Well, I was like, I went there with friend Dave and sort of before we went and saw it, we we're going, what happened to Harvey Keitel? Because he was obviously in this and he was in a few movies back then. He was in um, Taxi Driver and things. Yeah. And then I didn't really know him until Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, he kind of had that big like missing chunk of like, the late 70s. He did like Reservoir Dogs and then I never saw it. But Thelma and Louise, Sister act and then boom the piano, piano and then just poof. bad lieutenant yeah and he was everywhere after yeah. that and it's sort of like what happens and we actually went and looked at imdb and there was a real lull in there so oh, okay. he might and dave speculated that it was he's a bit of a theater actor sort of person so okay. maybe he just spent a lot of time doing theater yeah. until he grew into his face and you sort of get roles that sometimes you just don't get roles until you grow into a certain age where they're you and you, you sort of miss that leading man age yeah. For a while, and then all of a sudden he became that oldest statesman. He has a touch of the Tommy Lee Jones about him, doesn't he? He's like, Tommy Lee Jones is another one of those actors that well, I don't remember seeing him as a young person well, in movies. I loved a movie back in the day called... I, I know it as Savage Islands, but I think it's called Something Else. I'm just going to check now, so good radio. But I remember this movie. It was around the Indiana Jones. It was a bunch of copies and things like that. Like... King Solomon's Minds. Yeah, exactly. And it was one of those movies. Uh, Nathan Hayes is the other term. It's okay. in America's Nathan Hayes. I knew it as Savage Islands. And I never knew who Tommy Lee Jones was. It was a sort of a swashbuckling-y, piratey sort of adventure film. Okay. And I remember watching it and loving it. I really should go back and watch it again to see how <laughs> it holds up. That holds would up. be an interesting one. Yeah, but Tommy was in that. And I downloaded a film a couple of years back called Black Moon Rising. I remember it having a funky car in it. It was written by John Carpenter, not directed by John Carpenter. It had Linda Hamilton in it. And it's a very mid-80s sort of movie. So you're in the Terminators and the Thing and all this sort of stuff. Okay. And Tommy Lee Jones is awesome in it. Like, he's at that age where he should be an action star or something, you know. He, he could have done others. I didn't know who he was until The Fugitive. Yeah, I was about and to say. And that's where he's was... sort of like, who is this guy? He's yeah. awesome. He I think for me it was The Fugitive that really... Reminds me, and then he did all his. You know. He did Lonesome Dove or something before, didn't he? Oh, did he? Oh, right. I'm not sure, but I just didn't know. And it was a fugitive where I go, who? Oh, this guy's awesome. I want to see more of his stuff. Oh, okay, and he blossomed. So I think him and him and Harvey Keitel. That's what they sort of. Yeah, they grew into their faces. Or okay, their roles grew into them, one or the other. Hmm. Well, speaking of Martin Scorsese, yes. I actually watched a movie not so long ago that was a Martin Scorsese film, and I didn't realise it was a Martin Scorsese film until I was halfway through it. That was Gangs of New York. Oh, yes. And everyone raved about Gangs of New York, and it's a movie that I hadn't seen and thought, well, I should see it. And it was Daniel Day-Lewis's sort of a crime kingpin in late 1800s New York City fighting against the Irish immigrants. And Leonardo DiCaprio is the son of one of the people that gets killed by Daniel Day-Lewis earlier in the film, and he's come back to seek revenge for the death of his father. And it was a really well-acted movie. Like, I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it's probably as good as Daniel Day-Lewis's performance in There Will Be Blood, but Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't know what it is about Leonardo DiCaprio. A lot of people don't like him, but I don't think I've seen him in a bad role. He's an actor who can just pretty much mould himself into any role. Well, early on, he was the pretty boy. I never saw Gilbert Grope, and he did 
did Romeo and Juliet and everyone fell in love with him. Then he did The Beach and The Beach did not appeal to me at all. Yeah. And I guess then he started doing more dramatic, serious roles and everyone, and I don't know, it's just like, can he do it? And he kept obviously doing it. Yeah. And then he became, well, Martin Scorsese, he, he has his favourites, you know, he has De Niro. Yeah. And he was sort of doing all those movies and then he got too old to play some of the roles. So he became the new De Niro to Scorsese. Yeah. He got those roles now. So he sort of, Shutter Island, I think he was in, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And Departed. Yeah. Which so I still haven't seen. That's good. Yeah. I haven't seen Gangs of New York or There Will Be Blood, so I really should. You should actually. I should. It depends whether you're a Daniel Day-Lewis fan or not. I didn't I think I'd seen... Well, I didn't think I'd seen a <laughs> lot of Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't think there are people out there with Daniel Day-Lewis t-shirts going, yeah, I'm a Daniel Day-Lewis fan. No, they're selling down a pipe. <laughs> There's no more <laughs> Yes. That's why you don't see people wearing <laughs> t-shirts anymore. But I really like Daniel Day-Lewis, and he really throws himself into the role. It's like he only picks certain roles. Like I haven't seen Last of Mohicans either. See, that's or my left foot. Maybe I'm not a Daniel Day-Lewis fan. Have you seen My Beautiful Laundrette? No. Maybe I'm actively avoiding Daniel Day-Lewis. And you haven't seen Lincoln? No. Have you seen a Daniel Day-Lewis film? I don't think I have. Okay. I'm just going to IMDb now. There you go. And this week's episode is sponsored by IMDb. Yeah, but no, Daniel Day-Lewis, he really, he doesn't do much, but when he does, he really puts a lot of effort into it. And he's made this character, and it's kind of, it's it's not a true story, Gangs of New York, but it's kind of based on a lot of happenings that were going on, sort of 1870s He hasn't New made York. a lot of films, has he? No, he's, he's had a lot of breaks in between films. A lot of films. breaks. But that's because he puts so much effort into doing accents and stuff the like that. The unbearable lightness of being a dickhead? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Room of the View, no. My beautiful Lundrette, no. The Bounty, it's got Mel Gibson. Well, no. no, no. There you go. Gandhi. He was in Gandhi. Apparently. Oh, there you go. He was Colin. Oh. <laughs> Did Colin in Gandhi? <laughs> no. No, no, no fair enough. It's been a long time since I've seen How that. many miles to Babylon? Seven. That's a TV movie. That's oh, a rhetorical question. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so yes. I recommend Gangs of New York. I thought it was very good. It's very brutal in a couple of scenes. Lots of blood. There will be lots of blood. Well, there will be lots of blood. No, probably not as much blood as there was in There Will Be Blood. But again, I really enjoyed it. You know what? Going through this list. Haven't seen a single thing. I haven't seen a Daniel Day-Lewis film. Well, there you go. There you go. All righty. Well, you did, <laughs> you, you did make another trip to the cinema. I did. And you saw something that I saw last month. Uh-huh. And you saw Pacific Rim. I did. Now, I was very keen to hear your opinion of Pacific Rim because I was a little bit disappointed with it. Underwhelmed, maybe? Yeah, very much so. I could not felt the special effects. I thought it looked great. Yeah. Most of it looked great. Mostly. Mostly. The Australian acting was was subliminal. <laughs> no, no, the accents were terrible. Um, and again, it's because they didn't get Australian. There are so many decent Australian actors, and yet they couldn't get two Australians to play the two Australians. All the Australian actors are actually playing Americans at the moment True. over in America. So. It was strange. Like, it was an expensive film, and you couldn't doubt that. And It was kind of cool, and the robots were great, and the monsters were cool. The plot was ridiculous, and, I mean, that's fine. It's a giant robots versus giant monster movie, and I've watched plenty of Godzilla films and they're all terrible too but they've got a quirk about them yep. which the American Godzilla film never had it became too real and science pushed what the giant iguana was and all these sort of elements that just made it not fun and that's what the Godzilla movie is sort of you go in like watching The Cooler's Ice or The Room you take in the fun with you because it's not actually there to start with yeah you um, make your own fun yeah this was so seriously done now whether I missed the joke I don't know if this was it's so serious but you know 
Yes, it is giant robots versus giant monsters. We're, we're going to play this serious, but that's okay. You're allowed to laugh. I didn't get that feeling from it. It was very serious, and that's great. Everyone believed what they were doing and saying, yep. and it looked amazing. I just didn't care. Yeah. It, it was just sort of like, oh, because I, I, I knew what was going to happen. You sort of, there was no real threat. Like, it, it, it just wasn't fun. No, and like, I think... there's a scene, and unfortunately it was in the trailer... Well, I'm going to spoil it for the people who haven't seen it. But well, it's a couple of months <coughs> now, so you should have seen it by now. You know, he's fighting a monster in the street, yeah. and he's dragging a ship behind him, and yeah. using his baseball bat, and I was like, that's fucking cool. And you want, even though physics don't work that way, that ship, you yeah, just can't swing it around and do all that stuff, but it doesn't matter. If you've got giant monsters coming to attack, the most effective way to fight them is not building a giant robot no. that seemed to fall apart really easily. Yeah. They do do that bit at the start, though, where they, you know, the monster comes at them, and they try and get it, and they can't they can't kill it and then they they throw all of their money of their air force and their army and they blow it up and it's like yeah, yeah we've done it and, and then, then another one comes. another one comes yeah i like the fact that they kind of showed why they did what they did it's, it's just bigger bombs is yeah. much more effective than giant robots that just yeah, exactly. because that's it you put your faith in one robot on one coastline and that's going to save you from this yep. giant thing as far as world building goes i just didn't quite i don't know i just something didn't fit somewhere like it was fun like i wasn't bored it was slowish at parts in yeah. between the acting was okay idris elba is generally quite good yeah but i just found but, everyone else in it like especially the australian guys they were just terrible. annoying ron perlman was annoying oh, that whole charlie day was annoying as fuck yeah people loved him and i i didn't know who he was until yeah. this point now but his character annoyed yeah and i've we've listened and we've mentioned them quite a few times Banff, bad movie fiends yeah they love this movie yeah and they really got into it and they bought into all of it like we thought charlie day was annoying they loved it yeah and thought he was perfect so, I don't know, they really bought into this movie, and good on them, and they, they can enjoy it, and maybe you listeners can too, it's just, I didn't, I, I just, something about it, Ron Perlman, that story arc shat me. Just, yeah, in a way, I'm kind of glad that you didn't like it, yeah. <laughs> it's sad as that sounds, because, like, last month when we were talking about it, I was, I felt like I was the only person that didn't like this movie. Everywhere I've read said it's great, you know, they all love the story, they all love the, the fact that it's a real feel-good sort of movie, but for me, it was kind of like, it was the same fight over and over. I mean, I've watched the Gamera films. Yeah. Now, the 90s Gamera movies, which are Japanese, they are fucking awesome. And the Gamera 2 escalates on Gamera 1 really well. Now, with the escalation, it's really good. Now, this robot fight thing, it should escalate. It does escalate, but doesn't seem as rewarding as it should. I, I don't know. It's just it's a weird one. Like, I, I wanted to like it more. I, I really wanted to like it. And the whole cold opening before the credits, the 20 minutes or so before the credits roll, yeah. I was really enjoying it. Uh, it's, I it's, was like, yeah, this movie's going to be great. And then it kind of went nowhere. I mean, I love giant robots. Don't, I mean, no... I own the 60s Astro Boy on DVD. I own the 80s Astro Boy on DVD. I've got all of the Astro Boy comics. Yeah. And that's just Astro Boy. It's not really helping. But I've got Pluto. Big Guy, Big guy and Rusty. I've got Big Guy and Rusty. Big Guy and Rusty toys. So it is in my wheelhouse of what I like. Yeah. It just, for some reason, something didn't resonate totally with me. I love that I saw it. And I love that I saw it on the big screen. and Because it has been out a bit. Yeah. I saw it on one of the smaller screens at the cinema. It wasn't on the big Cinemax or yeah. whatever they call them, VMAX or Extreme Screen. It would have been a great thing. Yeah, I'm <coughs> glad I saw it at the cinema. But yeah, after probably hour and a half, I was sitting there looking at my watch going, come on, how long is it going to go yeah, for? I mean, uh, it would have been an awesome 90-minute movie. But unfortunately, when you're spending that much money, uh, you can't make a 90-minute movie. I think I mentioned this last month as well. There was There was scenes while I was watching it that I was thinking... 
yeah, you can cut this down a couple of minutes and it wouldn't lose anything. Now, I remember regretting going to the midnight screening of Independence Day when that was released and thinking, that's just not very good. Yeah. And I've gone back and caught it on TV every now and then and it's actually watchable. Like at the time, I thought it was a terrible film. But I'm actually comparing it to a lot of movies nowadays and it's like, actually, it's not too bad. Okay. And that's terrible. Like at the time, I thought it was terrible. It's not as good as older films that I used to love. Yeah. And I was thinking that 20 years ago, or whenever, yeah, 90-something. Yeah, probably would have been. Yet now I'm looking at it going, I'm watching Pacific Rim going, kind of want to watch Independence Day. Yeah. It had a very similar vibe to it, and I didn't really put it together until I listened to other people talk about it. It's like, oh yeah, they're infiltrating by using their own thing to get into their area, and they're going to blow it up this way, yeah. and you've got the sacrificing like Randy Quaid did. It's like, oh yeah, they're... Yeah, a lot of it, parallels in there. And Idris Elba, who can act? The guy is good. His speech was nowhere near as good no, it was, as it was Bill, Bill Pullman's. Pullman's. And looking at, I remember at the time, Bill Pullman's was kind of hokey and embarrassing, but I still was, I, he still had me. Yeah. You know, he still got me in because he's a good actor. Yeah. But I thought Idris Elba's got a better voice. But I don't know if it's Del Toro can write dialogue. It's not his, English isn't his number one language. I don't know who wrote the script. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it's Del Toro's story. Well, as I said last month as well, it was like the scenes when the robots and the monsters were fighting were good, but every time that the humans talked, I was just like, well, just shut up and put the robots back on. And I suppose I just saw Aliens again on Blu-ray and you're sort of watching them as a team yeah. to just interact and that sort of stuff. And Bill Pullman, and not Bill Pullman, Paxton. Yeah. Paxton and... Michael Bain. Michael Bain. They just sort of had character, you know, that really emanated. And nothing. None yeah. of these people living on this thing. Even, I suppose, the fact all these people in the bunker or Shadow Dome or whatever they call it, it was very matrix revolutions and that too and even that felt a bit more real-ish but I don't know it just something wasn't right to really just make me go I can't wait to see this film again like as much as people shit on Transformers that first one I I adore that first Transformers movie and I think it is because it had that bit of humour and fun Mm. element to it where this tries to have humour but it's it's a bit po-faced well there was a couple of lines where it got a little bit of a laugh in the cinema I was in well that's because the Australian accents are terrible well not those bits it was a couple of the the lines that Idris Elba says kind of got a bit of a laugh Bit of a laugh. Bit of a laugh. But yeah. But now we we talk about modern movies that are good. I've also seen another new release just recently that I quite enjoyed, and that was Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain. Speaking of Michael Michael Bay. Bay, And I didn't realise it was Michael Bay until at the end when the credits came up, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a Michael Bay film. Fuck me, Michael Bay. And it kind of had the opposite to Pacific Rim, where this was a no two-hour movie. No, no giant robots. <laughs> but miniature robots. No, this was a, a two-hour movie, but it didn't really feel like a two-hour movie. There was one stage, probably about an hour in, that felt like it was wrapping up, and I looked at the time, and I was like, hang on, we're only halfway through. But then a lot more happened, and it was like, yeah... This is good. But it kind of reminded me a lot. Mark Wahlberg's the main character in it, and he reminded me a lot of his character in The Big Hit. Which and the, we, uh, the Big Hit's Wahlberg just such a great movie. But it's the same sort of, he's a, a muscle meathead sort of thing that doesn't like being told that he's an amateur or he's not good at things or he's never going to you know, make it in the world. Yeah. And for me, he was great. The Rock was awesome. Wow, it's The Rock. And it was The Rock playing The Rock. It wasn't The Rock being Dwayne Johnson. It was The Rock just running around and being The Rock. And Rebel Wilson was one of the bit parts in it, and pretty much every line that she had was just hilarious. So that good? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. And 
it's apparently it's based on a true story and they actually say at the start that it's based on a true story and then something completely unbelievable happens halfway through and they just go just to remind you this is based on a true story but there was something that they did in it that i thought was a bit weird and it's unnecessary voiceovers and i think a, a lot of people have been mentioning this for certain things lately but Every time they introduce a new character, that character does this little bit of a monologue and sort of tells us what he's feeling at the time and what's going on in the situation. Situation. To the point that even though they brought in a couple of characters that didn't really go anywhere, they still had this sort of voiceover telling us what they were doing at the time as well, which was kind of strange. So you couldn't tell it was a Michael Bay film, so it wasn't very yellow and the camera didn't swirl (laughs) around a lot? No. Did it have that perpetual sunset feel? No. No. Okay. It's very Miami. It's set in Miami and it feels like Miami. And it's set in the 90s and it kind of feels okay, so, like a 90s. So, I mean, the thing is, I suppose, I mean, Michael Bay gets a lot of shit for being Michael Bay. Yeah. And deserves a lot of that shit. Yeah. But, I mean, he has made The Rock, which not many people are going to fault. People yep. love that for what it is. Going back, it's 90s nostalgia for yeah. a lot of it. Armageddon is a bit of a joke and people laugh at that still. Pearl Harbor is a, you know, Bad Boys. You know, Bad and Boys was The Transformers film. films. I haven't seen Bad Boys too, but I really dig his style. Yeah. And, I mean, it's very much... Tony Scott started this with Top Gun. It became the, the benchmark of how to make this sort of movie and Michael Bay has perfected it. Yeah. Now, you look at the Transformers movies and the island and things like that, it's like he, he doesn't, there's not a lot of depth left. There's a lot of style. He's very, you can tell he cut his teeth doing music videos. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all there. Yeah. But this sounds like he's actually directed a film. You yeah. Know, he's not exactly. made a film clip. Like, there is there is a lot of action in this movie, mm. but it's not over the top, huge explosion action. Yep. In fact, there's a fire at one stage, but I don't think there's even an explosion. So, you know, it sounds oh, like he's actually yeah, one. fried yeah. and done a good job. He has. And I really like this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, again, oh, I'd be interesting to see, it and it's got the see rock, your opinion. So. And The Rock yeah. is just great. He is just so jacked up in this movie because they're meant to be like these steroid head gym guys and he gets to be a big guy that just goes nuts. Excellent. Yeah. Right. But I yeah, do want to see there's it. a couple of lines from Rebel Wilson that are just really, really good. And they come out of completely out of left field as well, so it's great. Like Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Which I did. I, <laughs> I was going through the hard drive the other day and just put on something while I was waiting and end up being Pitch Perfect and end up nearly being late to where I was going because I kept watching. <laughs> oh, just the next scene. I'll get to the next one. Well, I have actually watched two other movies this month. What's going on? Based on the whole Ben Affleck furor that was going on last week. Yes. And also the fact that I was listening to the Steve Austin podcast and Jay Moore was on. I thought to myself, I really love 200 cigarettes and I haven't seen this movie for a long time. This is where we differ. Yeah. So I, I was flicking around on YouTube the other day and I actually saw that the whole movie was on YouTube. So I sat down on Friday night and I watched 200 cigarettes again. Mm. And yeah, we, we have this strange opinion Aren't of you this doesn't- movie. 90s indie darling. I loved it. And I saw this at the cinema back in the 90s. And watching it again now, which I haven't probably seen it for a good couple of years. Sitting back now, I can remember almost every scene in this movie. And I was like, yeah, that's why I like this movie. And you like Go. I do like Go. And And they all have that same sort of feel. Massive ensemble cast. And they all kind of intertwine and meet up at the end. But I don't know what it is about 200 Cigarettes. Ben Affleck plays a totally inept bartender that tries to pick up women, which, again, made me want to watch it because I just like Ben Affleck. But And you love totally inept barkeepers. I do, yeah. Barkeeper? Barkeepers? Barkeepers, yeah. But no, I, I enjoyed it. And like again, it is of the time, but I still think it holds up. Oh, yeah, of the time's fine. Yeah. It's of your time. It just wasn't mine. I don't know what I was watching then. Probably Godzilla film. You know what it and is? Colors there, us. There, there is no effects in this movie. 
and I don't mean the punk band. It, <laughs> it is, it's set in the 80s, but it was filmed in the 90s. And it's very much that sort of Kevin Smith sort of style of, we don't need much of a story, the dialogue's going to carry this film. Well, I mean, I love Kevin Smith. I saw Clerks at the cinema when it first came out, not knowing anything about it. Go, yeah. This movie is for me. You know, they're having conversations using Star Wars as a metaphor yeah. and things like that. Well, this is definitely a talking movie. Where, you know, I want that. And seeing 200 Secret Minutes, it's like, oh, this is, these people are too cool. They're not having Star Wars conversations. So I guess it wasn't my film. So yeah. I didn't resonate with the people. I didn't associate with the with, people. With the people something as well, because you can go through the list of who's in this movie. And I know you're not a fan of Janine Garofalo. Uh, no, I like it. And I don't know where you get that from. Okay. Well, I, I quite like Janine Garofalo at the time, so <laughs> that gets a tick for me. Look at fun fucks. No, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> I really like Paul Tongue Rudd. Punch your fart box. <laughs> I really like Paul Rudd, and I'm trying to steer this back in the right conversation. Paul Rudd, I really like. You're not a huge Paul Rudd fan. He's all right. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to chase him yeah. up. Like, he's all right in my, what is it? Love you, man. Mm. And Clueless, but I'm not a big Clueless fan. Not a Paul Rudd. So Paul Rudd's I fun. love Clueless. And well. Sex Panther is awesome. Really? <laughs> That's his aftershave in Anchorman. Okay, all right. But yeah, I, I really enjoy that. But again, it's purely a talky film. It carries itself purely on the dialogue. It's got Elvis Costello in it. And Just, he's good. As a cameo, really. And he's good in Spice World, so I guess it's got that. Yeah, maybe you should give it another go. Maybe I should. I'm older now. You are. And I did actually watch one other film, because I've had quite a lot of movies this month. What? And something that I was not expecting at all, I watched Spring Breakers which yes. is the Harmony Corinne who did Kids back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of expecting this to be a bit of fluff, sort of, you know, kids go on spring break and it's a coming-of-age type film. But it couldn't be anything further from that either. It's It turns out to be a gritty crime movie. Yeah? Yeah. With a lot of girls running around in bikinis. But Selena it's still a... Gomez and... Selena Gomez. And uh, yeah, what's her name? Vanessa Hudgens. Hudgens. Yeah. And a really, really creepy James Franco. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I know about is the fact that it's got Selena Gomez running around in a bikini a yeah. lot. And I thought, oh, sounds like my sort of film. But I wasn't sure what... I thought it was going to be, yeah, like you said, a just a teen comedy sort of thing. But no, okay. Yeah, well, basically it's a, a bunch of girls that fall into the wrong crowd and shit gets real kind of thing. It's Yeah, it really wasn't what I was expecting, but and I, I enjoyed it. It's good? Yeah, it's it's very good. Okay. Skrillex does the soundtrack, which was a bit of a mm, plus. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah, it's drugs and sex and guns and you name it, but I really enjoy it. Okay. Yes. So that was that was my movies for this month. That's yes. probably a lot more than a normal month. Yes. But yes. Th- that being said, we mentioned a few things tonight that we've watched a few movies that we'd missed along the way. And I know this time last year we did our cult movie challenge, so maybe we should I need to dig up some, some titles. <laughs> well, I think maybe that we, we should set each other a bit of a challenge and maybe I should try and watch something that I'm I've never got around to seeing. you watch the Russian Solaris. Uh, again, I've never even yes, heard of that. It's long and slow. Okay. But anyway... <laughs> but I, I think you should sit down and watch Last of the Mohicans. I mean, I watched three. I watched There Will Be Blood, yep. Last of the Mohicans, and... I'd say Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. Yeah. There's, there are those three. I will watch that. And I'm going to set myself a challenge. Yeah. I was reading something the other day, and I, I realized I've never seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Awesome. Yeah, so awesome. I'm going to sit down this month, and I'm going to make an effort to watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. So next month, when we get together... Because watching Glenn Glary going, what's this for winners? Well, because someone makes sense. Someone so, made the line the other day that coffee's for closers, yes. and I, I had no idea what they meant. 
And then I looked up where it came from, and it was like Glengarry Glen Ross. And the only thing I know about it was when the DJ did Glengarry Glen Ridge. Ridge. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> that was funny, but it probably didn't mean anything to me. But I'm going to watch it, and then I should probably dig up that DJ skit and see if it actually meant something. So, it does. It yes. does. All right. so and I will think of another two for you. Good. But we can come up with something, and then next month when we meet up, mm-hmm. we will have a bit of a discussion of some uh, classics, some that, classics we that we missed. <laughs> So, yes, I don't know if you should go all Daniel Day-Lewis all the way. Maybe we'll have to come up with something else. <laughs> you can't go full Day-Lewis. <laughs> yeah. no, but no, yes, I'm like, taking the Daniel Day-Lewis challenge. It's a bit like a The seven-day Daniel yeah, Day-Lewis seven challenge. Day challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we have yeah. a title for what all I'm right. doing. Excellent. All right. well, Maybe I should do seven Daniels in seven days. There's enough films there. That'll kill me. It would kill you. Maybe you should just watch Seven as well. When was the last time you saw Seven? It's been a while. Hmm. But he's not in it. No, he's not. Kevin Spacey is. That doesn't help. (laughs) When is Paltrow in a box? Oh, is that a spoiler? What's in the box? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, now that we've ruined Seven for everybody, (laughs) that's probably a good place to wrap up this month. I Uh, think so. Unless you've got anything else you need to say? Nope. You need to confess your watching of Cool Advice for... It's not a confession. No. I watched Cool Advice again, but I watched it with the Rich Tracks commentary this time. So probably adds another level to it. Yeah. All right. So, well, you know where you can reach us. You can find us on Facebook as facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You probably know that by now because we mention it every month. It's on iTunes. Just search us in the Googles yeah. and you'll find us. Or you'll find a band. Probably you'll find the band a lot more before you find us. <laughs> so probably you should tell them where we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, that's a good place to leave it. So yes, we'll we'll go and start digging up some movies to watch for next month and we'll see you in September. Uh, uh. I gotta go, gotta go. Before I do something.